Before this conversation with Will, I used the word template to refer to a mass email that was more about the sender, not so much about the recipient, probably too long, used language that was too complex. Um, That was what I thought of as a template. Another thing I thought of as a template was an email that was constructed from, you know, sales leadership, but also gave the rep a ton of autonomy to prospect and enter manual information. So these emails are typically shorter, they use simpler language, and they refer to something very specific about the company or the prospect that's on the other end of the message. Now, the same word template was what I was using to refer to both of those things. And obviously, they're not the same thing. And it kind of makes talking about email outreach kind of confusing. And after this conversation I had with Will, I had this new word, which was framework to distinguish from template, which has been really helpful. And so if you're someone who's working with a team to send out emails at scale, or if you're someone who's sending emails and prospecting yourself at scale, I hope you find this conversation just as helpful as I did. My name's Erica. I'm the VP of go-to-market strategy at Greaser Consulting, and you're listening to RevOps Therapy. Say you want some clarity in sales and marketing and SEP. Well, we have just the remedy. Our podcast, RevOps Therapy. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Will, for joining us on the podcast. Um, yeah. Can you give a brief introduction before we get into it? Yep. My name is Will Allred. I'm one of the co-founders at Lavender. Lavender is a email writing assistant for salespeople. We help salespeople write better emails faster. So one of the really cool things about my job is I get to talk to fun people like you, Erica, and explain, you know, based on the millions of emails that we see per month, you know, what works, what's not working, um, and hopefully provide some context behind, you know, the numbers and say, you know, here's how to actually write a better email. Right on. Yeah, I know our team uses Lavender and we're loving it. So we like what you guys do. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. So I know we have on the calendar that says raging against the template machine. Um, Yes, yes, yes. yes. (laughs) A topic near and dear to my heart. Uh, Yeah. Do you want me to just like unload? Because um, the idea of a template, right? It it came about during a time in which volume was the only differentiator between, you know, sales reps because, you know, tools like the sales lofts and the outreach to the world hadn't come to dominate the sales stack. And so, you know, being able to actually spin out 250 emails in a day was a crazy cool competitive advantage. It's no longer the case. Um, Since the start of COVID, the amount of emails that people are getting has more than doubled and the number of replies has almost halved. So like uh, you look at the current state of affairs, you've got to change something. And so we have to almost have this like reversal of what we used to do back to these more thoughtful, personalized notes. And so when you hear template, like the classic thing that comes to mind is these like automated emails. Um, So I know when we originally started talking about this, it's like a template doesn't have to be that, but that is typically what it is. 
Yeah. And yeah, when I think of a template, um, I think of something that's like 80 to 100% of the way completed for the rep um, and that the rep just sort of sees it as like a plug and play kind of message. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said for that, right? Because a template gives you the ability to scale. Um, a template's going to give you the repeatability that you need, but you know, we don't update our templates often enough. And when you think about like actually what has to happen in order to update a template, you kind of need to understand what's happening behind the scenes. And so when I'm talking to reps, when I'm talking about what it is to write a template, I actually like to lean on frameworks. Um, and frameworks wasn't a term that I actually you know, came up with. I actually read it within a blog post from the VP of sales at Segment. If you're not familiar, Segment is one of those um, B2B software companies that probably powers all of the B2B software companies that you know about. Um, they got bought from, by a company called Twilio for $3.5 billion. The uh, blog that she put together was all about the fact that they have never sent out any kind of templates to their sales reps. They scaled to three and a half billion dollars on the backs of what she calls frameworks, which is awesome to sort of like conceptualize. It's like, okay, well, what is a framework? Well, it's, you know, here's the types of information that should be going into this email. Sort of like structures out what the template should be without actually writing it for the rep. And so the rep has to think through it. The rep actually has to ask like, you know, intellectual questions of like, you know, what does this sentence need to accomplish? Because like we think about like what an email should do, like what questions it should answer. It should answer like, why am I reaching out? What's the point of this email? Um, you know, what's the point of this sentence? Does that sentence serve the point of the whole email? Crazy question. Or, you know, does each sentence logically lead to the next one? These are like questions that we don't really ask ourselves when we operate on templates. And so when the market pushes us to personalize, you know, the hot topic right now is, do we need to personalize our emails? Like, yes, you do. But if you're relying on templates to do that, you don't have the flexibility or the know-how to actually apply it. And so you're just like inserting a one-liner that doesn't necessarily flow into the rest of the template. Yeah, I think the the word framework versus like in comparison to template, I think it's really helpful for making a distinction between, you know, something that doesn't require a lot of deep thinking from a rep and something that is going to require a lot more interaction. And I'm curious, I mean, I know there's no way to tell on this podcast right now, but I'm curious to know sort of the the ripple effects of asking a rep to put that much thought into a temp or a framework right mm -hmm. so I would imagine that if you're if you're really engaged with the why of your customers and sort of how how you really solve problems you're probably having better phone conversations too um, you're probably able to better speak to problems on the phone or you know in social media like you're probably better at all of your outreach if you put that type of effort into your emails too. Yeah. Well, and if you think through, um, pausing my Slack notifications, 
Um, if you think through like what's the career path for a sales rep, you know, we've kind of set it up where like they either become an AE or they become a manager. And so if you want them to be able to go ahead and teach, well, they should probably understand what's happening behind that template. So if you really want them to be a good manager, which like really what a manager has become these days is a coach. Yeah, they should understand what's going on behind the scenes. If you want them to become an AE, well, they really should probably have a deeper understanding of the prospect. And so like you'll you'll the the ripple effect thing is a really interesting idea. Um yeah, I think someone listening to this though, they're probably gonna have this um yeah, they're like, okay, frameworks sound cool, but I don't have frameworks. I've got templates. Um and I don't think that's necessarily something that has to stop you in this process. Um, and honestly, it's not something you have to like, you don't have to derail your entire sales process because like we're saying frameworks are better. Just read through your templates and actually understand what's going on behind the scenes. That's all you have to do, right? Like a template is something that's supposed to be temporary. It's a tool within your tool belt that will help you speed up your output. You can get more emails out the door faster. Well, if you don't actually understand what's going on behind the scenes, your ability to test, your ability to effectively come up with new copy is limited because all you know how to do is mirror what you've seen. But you know, if you can actually dissect that email, if you can actually understand what's happening, you'll be able to quickly understand what kind of tweaks you want to make, and you'll be able to get those out the door faster. You know, you'll be able to um, apply things like personalization much more effectively because you know, you'll know, you're like, okay, well, I've got my framework here. I make an observation. I tie that observation back to a problem or an insight. Then I provide some credibility for why I'm talking about that problem. Uh, and then I offer, here's what we do as a solution. And then I ask them a question, right? That's a classic template, but I actually know what I'm doing behind the scenes. And if you take it a step further, you understand why you're doing what you're doing. And so you're like, okay, I'm trying to provide credibility here. What are some ways that I could do that? I could offer up a case study, or maybe I could like tell the case study as a story. Maybe I could just reference the fact that we've got customers in their space. Maybe it's a specific customer story. All of a sudden now I'm thinking and I have the ability to flex whatever the email is to the situation and what it calls for. So like, you know, maybe your template leans in heavily on two main problems. So like for us, maybe it's um, the fact that, um, reps are you know, slow to write emails and management doesn't have visibility into what's going on. And so like the personalization, whatever's happening there, yep, maybe it lends itself to both problems and the template is fine, but maybe it doesn't. And then like one of those problems is just like awkwardly floating there and I'm just like hoping to dangle a carrot and get a response. That's not logical and it shouldn't be how we write emails. Um, one of the things when you brought this up was, uh, it's like having friends over for dinner and serving them a microwave meal. Like, why don't you actually cook something for them to come over? Like just yeah. put that extra level of thought as a writer in. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think we think through like the logical progression of the sentences that we're putting out nearly enough. And it creates these like weird jarring experiences that you just don't reply to. Yeah, yeah, you brought up a good point too that um, like a template's supposed to be temporary and we don't really reiterate on templates enough. So a lot of times when we're talking about, you know, B2B SaaS companies, um, I mean, that how you talk about your product and, you know, between A and C series funding, like it could change week to week depending on the feedback you get from your customers, depending on the direction you get from your investors. Like I remember when I was like in my first SDR role at Outreach, like we would change like every single week. It just seemed like we had a different way of talking about what we were doing. And then, mm-hmm. you know, eventually it sort of leveled out. But for a while there, it was just sort of like try whatever feels compelling and then like let your teammates know what's working and what's not. And one of the things that um, that we really focus on at Greaser is we really focus on like a two-way feedback loop between management and sales reps. I think so often when people are really dependent on templates, it's like a sales manager or a marketing person that's writing all these templates and then giving them to the sales team. And the sales team will see those and I'll be like, I'm not sending this. Like, this isn't what I would say on the phone. Like, and I used to say this too. I said, my name is at the end of this email. I'm not going to send this sequence or I'm not going to send this cadence. Like, this isn't, I would not say this. And so what you get is you get people who think that they're implementing a process and then they're measuring the success of what they're doing on this process that's not actually being run. And so they don't have any meaningful data. And then you have end users who are just disregarding the process that's in place for them and just sort of going rogue. So you have no idea what's working and what's not. And if you have a two-way feedback loop, the SDRs or the AEs or whoever's at the end of those messages can actually say, hey, this is garbage. (laughs) Are you actually arm them with frameworks, then they can say like, hey, this is a really compelling case study I've been sending out for this point here. And then you can sort of get that learning, get that scalability, get that transparency within a framework on your team. And then that can also go up to management. Um, And so I think a lot of the, the reasons why people like templates can also be true of frameworks, but you have to have that two-way feedback loop because the salespeople are sort of given a lot more credit for being able to have, you know, original ideas of value, basically. Yeah, Yeah. I think there's definitely something to be said from like just a retention standpoint, right? The job becomes Mm -hmm. much more rewarding. Um, You were talking on like a few things that are on our roadmaps, like shameless plug, like we are totally building out like all of those visibility factors, like hey, this template's performing pretty poorly. Well, it's performing poorly when people don't personalize it. The reps that are doing well, they actually change 99% of it. And so it's just a signal that you need to just go ahead and change that template. It's time for a refresh. So I, I couldn't help myself. No, <laughs> I was like, I, I see this care. problem and I was like, we're, we're going right after it. <laughs> Salespeople listening to this. So shameless plugs are encouraged. <laughs> Um, uh, no, but I just, I think about frameworks, man. It's just like, yeah, no one actually teaches anyone how to write an email. Um, it is, it's not hard. And once you figure it out, you're like, oh, that wasn't that, that wasn't like a difficult thing. I think one of the things that we experience in the process is there's like a pain point of, you know, like personalizing, right? You talk to reps, the classic thing I hear back is how do I do this faster? How do I get through personalizing an email in a quicker 
period of time, which like I've got very specific recommendations for it. But one of the like first things that I say is like, if you don't actually commit to building a process, if you don't actually commit to going through the pain of doing it, you're not going to actually get anything out of it. You're just going to quit and you're going to go back to sending the same automated emails. And so it's like any sort of new activity. It's going to be awkward at first and you're going to get better with it at time. And one of the keys to getting better with it is like understanding how all the pieces play together. You know, what's actually happening behind the scenes because you'll be like, okay, I'm going to go find personalization. It's like, what is personalization? You should probably understand like you're actually trying to find like an observe, like an observation. And then you're trying to have a relevant tie in to the rest of your email. Um, you know, personalization is not always one line. It could be two. Um, and <clears throat> really what you're trying to build is a reason for reaching out. Um, you know, we get like so wrapped up in this like output, you know, or like just doing personalization for the sake of personalization. And it's not one or the other. It's not like a, um, I've got to go down this like rabbit hole and find this like gem of a gem for a reason to reach out. And like, we find ourselves like, you know, Erica's second cousin went to my rival high school and I'm going to like weave together a narrative. Like that's a waste of your time. Um, So I always tell folks like build a process, understand why you're doing it. So like, you know, Kyle Coleman, who's an advisor for us over at Clary, um, you know, he's got his take five minutes to find five facts. Take it a step further. Take the five minutes while you're finding those five facts. What resources are you going to and how could you line them up in the appropriate order where you're getting all the information you need faster and you're not going to any new sources and then build a template on the back side of that where you understand what you're doing you know quote unquote like framework um where even if you don't have that like golden nugget to personalize it off of you still have a fallback option so that you're not like spinning your wheels being like, well, I guess I'll just like congratulate them on being in this job for six years. And they're like, that's just a weird reason to reach out, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a reason to reach out. Instead, it's like, okay, without, you know, without a personal observation, I'm going to start my email by leaning in on credibility for why I'm here. Because uh, what you're doing is just interrupting them in their inbox. So might as well have a good like, start (laughs) so (laughs) if you don't have an observation and like a valid reason for reaching out yeah lean on credibility um yeah lean on relatability um so a bit of rambling but (laughs) just like some of my thoughts on um this notion that like well i can't do it because output i can't do Mm -hmm. it because you know no one's given me a framework it's like, okay, we'll just take your template and dissect it. What's happening behind the scenes? Think through it. Yeah, well, I think you're you're getting at the sort of the mindset of a really high-performing sales rep, which is 
I have everything I need to be successful. It's just up to me to sort of make it happen. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we work with a lot of like, sales managers or process owners that could be like a program manager or something similar. Um, and so if you were to give, you know, good advice to like a manager level who's actually creating the process for reps, like how could a manager or process owner set reps up for success um, so reps don't feel like they have to really go against the current in order to apply these methods? Yeah, and I think what you're getting at is, you know, how do you, you get managers to create individuals that are self-motivated? Um, I think one of the keys to doing that is giving them ownership. It's not micromanagement, which yeah. templates kind of are micromanagement. It's like you send this and you do this, right? Yeah. Um, you fit into the box because I don't trust you to go ahead and put your thoughts out on paper. And like this generation of SDRs, like they're, that, that doesn't fly. Um, you know, they like to feel that their ideas are validated. Mm. And I don't think it's necessarily a generational thing. It's just think in general. Um, as a society, we've come to, you know, value the opinions of younger people more and more. And so if you're operating in a landscape where you're like, yeah, I just don't trust what they're going to put out. Like, Maybe you need to look at your hiring process. <laughs> maybe, you think, maybe you need to look at like how you ramp reps up because there's so much time and attention put towards call coaching and none put towards email coaching. They're just like, here's your templates. See it. Um, and the only way that someone's going to learn in that scenario is either through mimicry or <laughs> frankly, like <laughs> looking at LinkedIn <laughs> and finding people like us talking about these topics and um, you know that isn't gonna have because there's you know i think we have pretty good advice but like there's also folks that aren't giving good advice so there's folks that are giving advice that's not always applicable like i think about enterprise deals versus smb deals there's a lot of advice that's more geared towards smb and it doesn't make any sense if you're in the enterprise world right? it doesn't mm -hmm. have context it's just content without context and mm -hmm. so you know, it's the manager's job to set the system up for the reps to succeed. And I think one of those things is giving them an environment in which they are personally motivated to go seek out these resources, seek out these pieces of information and experiment, try things, fail, share those learnings with the team. You know, ownership, I think, is key. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's almost like um, like embodying the spirit of the framework. It's like a whole training process. I'm <laughs> just like, here's here's the why, but it's up to you to like put your brain on and like go yeah. in and, and you know use your use your own personality. I mean, I think too, like social selling is you know becoming like a really. I don't know, it's it's hard to argue against it anymore that it's really effective yeah. and valuable, especially if you're selling to anyone in the revenue space. I mean, we're all on LinkedIn and we're all active. And so I think um, just that idea of the SDR bringing themselves as a, as a whole person to the space and actually having ideas and thoughts to share, um, I love yeah. that that's becoming um, just more agreed upon. And it's kind of silly that that even needs to be said. But I think if you look at the process and the way that sales reps have been trained, it has very much been like, here's what you say, here's how you say it and do it 200 times a day. And statistically, that'll lead to a meeting and then yep. we'll grow revenue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
And it's like, if I was going to, well, two things I want to touch on. One is like, especially valuable in social selling if you're selling into the revenue space. But even if you sell into a space that's never touched LinkedIn in their entire life, so you sell into teachers, right? What you're doing is actually setting up a recruiting funnel for sharp thinkers so that mm. you can continue to have really good SDRs going through your organization because the people who are going to find your content, engage with it, and eventually come ask for a job are the folks that are self-motivated and are interested in learning. That's a great point. Other piece I was going to touch on is like if you were trying to like set up an onboarding program for these reps and trying to think through like how do I teach them how to write email, the way I would do that is start with like pure frameworks, like no template provided. It's just like when you're thinking about writing an email, this is a great framework to use. We start with an observation. Here's why we start with an observation. Then the next sentence, it's going to be an insight based on that observation. This shows the reader that you have a brain and you're not just regurgitating something that you read online, right? And like take them step-by-step step that process and then start to show them the templates that you have in place. Break down those templates back against the framework that you initially taught them. That way they know why they're doing what they're doing and they're not just hitting send on yet another template and you're quote unquote hitting ramp, right? It's not just like, yes, we ramped them up because they sent this many emails. And then you're sitting there wondering, like, why did their performance plateau? And it's like, well, because you didn't actually teach them how to optimize and get better. You just taught them how to hit send and outreach. Yeah, I love that. Um, kind of one last question before we ramp up or before we uh, ramp up. <laughs> I'm just like, I want to go change a bunch of stuff after talking to you. Um, like before we wind down, um, I'm curious if you could speak a little bit to like limitations of the framework or um, sort of common mistakes that you see people make. So if I, you know, if I'm a sales manager and I say, all right, we're going to scrap templates, we're going to implement the framework thing. Um, what should, what should I be careful of or what? What should I just really look out for? Um, okay. So if you're like, okay, let's swing the pendulum the other way. Uh, don't give your sales rep a blank slate template where like it just says, write an email. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's nothing more like anxiety inducing than like, I've got to get X number of things out and there's just a blank screen in front of me. Right. Help them get started. That's key. Um, we're building some stuff to help with that where like we'll do a lot of the research for you and at the click of a button we'll get the email started for you um but yeah just thinking through yeah like what i, I typically see is like they'll just put in like parentheses like write a personalized email that's just mm -hmm. lazy <laughs> give them a sense for like what that looks like it could be a framework um but there's also going to be things that happen within your cadence sequence, whatever you want to call it, that do repeat. And so while in the onboarding and ramp up period, you want to explain why you're doing it this way, but just give them that language up front. Don't make them go like search through the snippets folder to be like, okay, this is the term I use for this, right? Mm -hmm. Just put it there and explain to them, here's why we say it the way we say it. This seems to work. Now, if you understand why, and you want to go edit it, go for it. You have that freedom. But yeah, I think one of the things with like 
swinging the pendulum towards personalization, towards um, towards framework kind of thinking is this notion that you're just going to like leave your sales reps out to, to dry. And that can be a real efficiency, just suck. Um, and so recognize where patterns repeat. Um, recognize, yeah, it's not a rip and replace activity. It's a learning activity. Frameworks teach. Uh, templates, well, they, they kind of scale. Yeah, I think that's a great place to leave it. Thank you so much, Will. It's really yeah, Eric, I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Hot dog, that was a great episode. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about Greaser Consulting or any information you heard on today's episode, visit us online at www.greaserconsulting.com. Be sure to click the follow button and the bell icon to be notified on the latest here at RevOps Therapy. Thanks and see you real soon.